0: City of Parramatta Libraries podcast, where we talk about books, libraries, and everything in between. My name is Nissa, and today I'm here with my colleague, Sandra.
1: Hi, everybody.
0: Hello, Sandra. Today, we are going to be talking about books by the author David John Moore Cornwall, better known as John le Carre. John le Carre died in December 2020, uh, so fairly recently, and he was a British writer who had an enormous impact on the genre of spy fiction. So he wrote many, many books over half a century, a lot of them. I know Sandra can uh, testify to this. We have a <laughs> lot of these his books in the library in a variety of formats. Um, and we thought perhaps today we could talk about some of his books Um just to, I guess, introduce a new generation to some of the books he wrote and he was most famous for. Um, The interesting thing about John Le Carre is that he actually, so he wrote spy fiction, espionage novels, and he actually worked in the 1950s and 60s for MI5 and MI6. Mm So he's got that insider knowledge. Definitely, yes. Um, And the interesting thing about the world of espionage in the 50s and 60s, uh, at least in the case of the UK, was that it was a time when there was um, there was an issue with a lot of double agents. So agents that were, um, you know, working for the British government and also the Russian government as well. And I'm guessing that produced a lot of, I know it sounds like it's all fiction to us now, but back then that was a really serious issue. But I think that must have provided such rich fodder for all his work that he would subsequently produce about you know um spies from that era from the cold war and you know uh, being handlers double agents double crossing um Mm. being a traitor to one's country or being a patriot and that's that was i think such a rich mine for him to get all his information from um Sandra, you are going to introduce us to the books we are going to talk about today. So we're going to focus on only a few, I think, aren't we? Mm-hmm. So the first one, which
1: you'll be talking about, is called Our Kind of Traitor – by John Licari, and published by Viking in 2010. And you'll possibly delve into a couple of other books as well. I'm sure. (laughs) And the book that I'll be talking about is The Night Manager, also by John Lacari, and published by Hodder and Stoughton in 1993. At least, that's the
0: original version. Mm -hmm. So would you like to start with yours? Yeah. So... It's interesting. I think the ones we've both chosen are relatively modern. I, I guess they represent the second half of his writing career. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to mention, because we've chosen books from that particular half of his career, I wanted to quickly mention some of the ones he wrote earlier. Just because I think um that's where that's where a lot of his influence lies. That's why he became quite famous. So um, and one thing I have to mention, one thing I liked about Le Carre was the title f- titles of his books. I don't know if you agree with me, but I just love them. They're so cool. They've got such a ring to them. Definitely. So you can tell that he put some thought into it. And I know, you know, the origins of the titles would be revealed in the actual book itself. So I mm. don't want to spoil it for anyone. But like, for example, you've got one from 1974. And this is the one I always remember, even before I knew much about Le Carre, This is the one that stuck in my mind. Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. I know. I love that. It does, it's it got that ring to it and it just makes you want to find out more. Exactly. And I, I almost was going to look it up to um, talk about it on the podcast, but I'm like, no, no, no. I want to <laughs> keep that for when we actually um, read the book.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that actually, that particular book, I've only just started reading it. Again, love the title, and that's the main reason why I went for it. Um, And that title, as well as a few others, features the character George Smiley, who um, I guess has been described as like an anti-James Bond. So not in the sense of being a villain. He's also a spy, but he's like dumpy... His wife, like, <laughs> cheats on him all the time. He's very slow and methodical in what he does, but very, very intelligent. So he doesn't um, have that charisma that same. Yeah, so he doesn't have that sort of suave, sort of, you know, appearance. But um, that, I guess, allows for... People to be fooled by him, which is actually quite useful because that mm-hmm. way, you know, if people don't think you know what you're on about, they're more likely to make mistakes or, appe- or you know, expose their weaknesses in front of you. Mm-hmm. So I I really like that description of like a character where you're not making them, you know, this, this smooth, sleek character. So um, George Smiley features in that particular Um, book Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and the part that I'm reading because I've just started it it's it starts off with you know in this boarding school um, and then his character is just introduced so that's where I'm at with that particular book. Um, There's another one called Smiley's People which was from 1979 um, and that also obviously features George Smiley in it uh, that, interestingly enough, that was adapted for television in 1982 with Alec Guinness, Guinness in it, the actor. Um, so I've watched half of that series, right? And I was watching it and it was really interesting. I was enjoying, like, all this terminology that he uses in it. Like, um, I think for uh, because he is the handler for a particular spy mm-hmm. and the spy... Uh, the name is Carla i think i don't know if that's the real name but the name of the spy is Carla he's a russian agent and he's referred to as the priest and george smiley is referred to as the vicar and i was like wow mm-hmm. i think i think vicar means in like the world of you know espionage and uh, Lucari's books it means handler and i was like i love that sort of terminology and then someone else was called the postman i don't know there was something really quaint and <laughs> interesting about that and funnily enough, when we're talking about language, I think I was discussing this earlier with you, Sandra, mm. Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, get this, the term honey trap actually originates, probably, from probably, probably <laughs> actually, <laughs> Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. So if you look at the etymology of the, the the term, it was definitely popularized by the book. Now, whether he invented it or not is a different issue, mm. but it was definitely popularized by, and that's how it entered into common usage. The term honey trap—that's so fascinating. Yeah, there's another one as well. Get this, mole. So the term mole—not—not <laughs> not the Australian version, <laughs> but the term for um, you know, as in in the espionage context. Mm. That term was also popularized by Lucario through the same book, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. And when he was asked about it, he he obviously he said he didn't invent it, but he said that um, he came to the term through. Um, just overhearing what the KGB were talking about. And apparently that's the term that they used, apparently. (laughs) And that's how he had, you know, brought it into his books. And therefore it came into common usage. So both of those words really owe a lot to Lakari and that particular book. I wonder what the Russian translation of it is then. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I should have done that. Damn, I didn't do that in my (laughs) research. So, um... So like I said, I've watched like half of Smiley's people. And again, the book was from 1979. The adaptation was 1982. And it is, it's interesting. So the library has the DVD set, actually. So there are three books, I believe, in the George Smiley series. Uh, the library has the full collection. Uh, very interesting series for anyone, if anyone wants to check it out. Obviously, this was, um, uh, the, the production does date um, to about like 40 years ago. It's interesting because it's such a slow burn, these, um, like this particular series. So, George Smiley is depicted as very academic, very methodical, not attractive, anti Bond, as I said. It's also interesting for the time that it depicts. So not just the time when the book was written, but also when it was adapted. And there's only a three-year difference between that. I remember this quote, someone is saying, um, I think they're talking about these Russian spies, so these British intelligent agents. And I think someone was uh, look, checking up in someone like someone's apartment, like a Russian spy who had just vacated an apartment. I think they had just died or something. And they found evidence of, um, I think, a pet and I think mm-hmm. the quote was, I remember writing it down at the time, fancy thinking of foreigners liking dogs. <laughs> and you're like, really? <laughs> they are human beings too, you know. So I, I found that really interesting and such like a window into how people thought back then or what they used to say. Um, and the other interesting thing is I had heard of the name Alec Guinness and I knew that was a famous actor. Mm. But as I was watching him as George Smiley in his, you know, overcoat and looking a bit dumpy, and and I I found him quite unassuming and like, oh, is that the main protagonist? But then when he started speaking, it, it was like he was transformed. It was very deliberate. Um, he sounded super intelligent, and you go, oh, okay, I think it's going to be interesting with this character despite his appearances. And he had this beautiful deep voice, and I'm like, where have I heard this? I've heard this somewhere. And I'm like, oh my god, Star Wars! Oh, That's Obi Wan. Yes. And I'm like, his beautiful, beautiful voice. That is, that is him. <laughs> and, and I should have known that. Like I knew that there was an actor who played Obi Wan. I knew, you know, Alec Guinness. But I had not connected it, and that was really fascinating for me because I kept puzzling over. Oh my god, this name is. This voice is so familiar. Where have I heard They're it? Completely contrasting characters and exactly exactly so that was that was a great discovery i don't know if i've spoiled it for anyone out there but it was great for me um another one is the little drummer girl from 1983 that's also Mm. a noteworthy um book of his um there was a 2018 adaptation actually um which uh featured florence Pugh, alexander skarsgård michael shannon and there was an interesting quote from that um terror is theater which i found really interesting because it goes back to that idea i mean now you know in the last i guess 20 years terrorism i guess it's been it's used in such a casual way now almost the term but before i feel like there was a little bit more nuance when people talked about terrorism like okay the whole point of people committing acts of terrorism was to highlight something uh, not you know that I'm passing a particular good or bad judgment on it. But the point was theatre, essentially. So I just Mm. thought it encapsulated that whole concept of what terrorism is as opposed to, like, just a random act of violence, right? Mm. It's about the theatre. It's about, you know, um, invoking the sense of fear in people. Mm, Striking fear into the hearts of the population. Exactly. Literally terrorising rather just than committing the bad act itself Mm. um and that particular book the little drummer girl um a little bit different from some of the cold war stuff this was actually about um certain palestinians being pursued by israeli agents and then a uh, israeli intelligence agents and a british actress is actually roped in to help the israeli team so um like it's an interesting story i'm actually halfway through that television series as well uh (laughs) I found it interesting. It refers to both the dispossession of the Palestinians and the suffering faced by Jews throughout history. So it's it's an interesting nuanced look at the situation. I mean, it doesn't examine the situation itself, like the broader Middle East situation, mm. but I feel like it brings some nuance to the, the characters and their motivations. Mm. You know, both of them, you know, yes, there is one side that is committing an act of violence and another side who's trying to prevent that. But it gives some nuance behind their reasons for doing what they're doing, which I found mm. actually quite interesting. So it's, not, it's not presenting the situations as black and white. It's actually exploring their motivations, etc. Exactly, and I think you would want that with any writer. Um, I, I know I haven't got into my actual book yet, but I just wanted to give so a bit more the book. <laughs> a bit more context. Um, obviously, there's the Constant Gardener, which he wrote in tw- two thousand and one. And then there's, just before I get to my actual book, The Night Manager, 1993. Now, I know you're going to be talking about the actual book itself. Mm -hmm. The reason why I'm mentioning it here is because there was a 2016 um, TV adaptation, which had Hugh Laurie, Olivia Coleman, Tom Hilston, Tom Hollander, and Elizabeth Debicki. I think that's how you say her name. And the reason why that book is interesting for me is because that's what got me interested in Licari to begin with. So I'd watched it and I'd watched it because I was like, okay, this is a slick thriller that was very stylish, very fast paced. Um, There was intrigue, there was espionage. And watching it got me thinking, oh, I would like to read his books potentially. But what it also did was it gave me certain expectations that were not met when I actually read one of his books. Mm. Now, I don't mean that in a necessarily bad way, but it just put me in a particular frame of mind of what I was expecting from it. And then I read like one of his books cover to cover um, and it was a little bit different from what I thought it was going to be. Mm. Which brings me to the actual <laughs> book, <laughs> however many limits later, Our Kind of Traitor. So, Our Kind of Traitor uh, was published in 2010, and it's about an academic who is a great tennis player, and his partner is a, I think she's a barrister or a lawyer, and they become friends with a Russian businessman. Now, this Russian businessman wants to uh, defect, he wants to, you know, um, get away from this whole situation, but he's got this whole baggage in terms of family and contacts and whatnot, um, and the academic and his partner then act as a liaison between him and the British intelligence services, and then events ensue from there. So because I was expecting, like, the night manager television series-style, fast-paced, you know, um, <laughs> narrative. When I, action. Yeah. When I read the book, it took me a while to get into it because I thought it was very slow, very deliberate, not in a bad way, but it it was a little bit hard because I wasn't used to that and I wasn't expecting that. Um, so that was a bit tricky for me. Um, I found it interesting that his characters, even when they're not technically like quote unquote posh, they do have like a sort of posh connection you know, mm-hmm. rather through the um, university where they teach at or their name. So I think the character's name is like Peregrine. I'm like, okay, well, that's that's pretty fancy, <laughs> even though there is like an explanation given for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it interesting that, I mean, I knew he he specialised in like books written during the Cold War or espionage fiction written during the Cold War. And because the book is set, I guess, in modern times, He couldn't really go on to, like, get into that sort of a style of writing. But what instead we had were Russian oligarchs, Russian businessmen, the Russian government. (laughs) (laughs) So that that was interesting. Modern, Modern villains. Yeah. I don't know if that would have worked maybe 10... Well, no, 10 years ago is when it was written. I don't know if it would have worked maybe in the 90s. But now, I guess because Russia in the Western mind is again becoming... Something that uh, people are concerned about, what the Russian government is doing in terms of the intelligence services. I guess it sort of plays well into that and it might mm. be almost like a comeback to those sort of stories. So that was interesting. Um, in terms of the story itself, I found it slightly odd. There was this particular focus on the children of this Russian um, businessman who wanted to defect. I felt it was a little bit um, personally unnatural, the way, well, not unnatural, but forced the, the the bond that was described between the um, the lawyer, the female lawyer, and or the partner of, you know, the um, the tennis player, the bond between her and those children, I just... And also, well, the the tennis player slash academic and the children, I felt it was a little bit forced. Um, that I found a little bit odd about the story. I also wasn't a huge fan of the focus that was on Gail, that's the name of the lawyer, and Natasha, the businessman's daughter. So it was mentioned quite often on Natasha's very good-looking, Gal's very good-looking. I'm like, yep, okay, you don't need to keep mentioning it. (laughs) I just found that um, slightly odd. There was not as much depth to their characters. No, the characters had depth. For sure the characters had depth. They had agency. They had all of that. So, But I just felt, I don't know, maybe it's me, I just felt um, the amount of attention given was perhaps not as necessary. Like You've described them as pretty. Lovely. Let's move on. Mm. <laughs> it was sort of that. Um, but, you know, once I got into the story, I felt it was like a pretty decent story. It was interesting, you know, that it was... It had that. those moments of thrilling activities in it, you know. Um, it had moments where it was fast-paced. Um, I liked how it humanizes the quote-unquote enemy, you know, by showing that the enemy or the other side has family, has friends, has obligations, is willing to sacrifice themselves for them. Um, but I, yeah, I, I just felt like it wasn't for me and it, and I guess, and I guess that's on me because I was expecting something different based on the night manager, the television series, which I loved and I thought was awesome and great. I think I also back in the day, um, watched the Gary Oldman version of Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, which was a movie. So again, that would have been condensed to make it fast paced. Mm. I had the impression from that. Even Smiley's People, which was, you know, slow, a little bit like Drama Girl, um, the television show um, with Florence Pugh, that had a lot of chemistry between Florence Pugh and Alexander Skarsgård. Night Manager had, like, Tom Hiddleston looking very Bond-like and slick <laughs> and good-looking in his suits and the chemistry going around. And Hugh Laurie, actually, for the first time ever, I didn't realise he could be such a great villain. So because I had all that, I think it kind of spoiled the experience of the book for me. Nevertheless, I thought it was a good book. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So not not quite to your liking, but you did enjoy it. (laughs) Yes, and I think objectively, obviously, he's got such great skill. It just wasn't exactly my thing, although it was a decent read, is what I'll say. (laughs) (laughs) After that, (laughs) going to you, Sandra, for your look at The Night Manager.
1: Yeah, so... The Night Manager is uh, John Le Carre's first post-Cold War novel and it was originally published in 1993. But the version of the book that I actually began to read here was um, published by Penguin Random House UK and it was a bit later on. It was around the time of the TV series because it's a special edition. And... Mentioning the TV series, it's a six-part miniseries. It was released in 2016. And the book itself was quite, um, I wouldn't say it's too long of a read. You could get through it in a few days, depending on how how much you like to read in one sitting. <laughs> and um, however, I did end up listening to the audiobook version instead, just because it was most convenient for me. Uh, we do have the original physical copy of the book in our collection in case anybody is looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> so the book centers around Jonathan Pine, who is an ex British soldier turned night manager of luxurious hotels, takes us through all these exotic locations. And, um, orig- uh, sorry, initially, we're taken through two parallel stories beginning in a hotel in Switzerland as Jonathan takes in a mysterious visitor in the dead of night. Mm -hmm. We're soon drawn back into his memories as his initial ties to the visitor are made clear. Um, The guest, this mysterious guest, Richard Roper, is a prominent international arms dealer and the reason for Jonathan fleeing his original life in Cairo. And he we hear the story of how he betrayed the confidence of Sophie, a beautiful Egyptian woman, and who was also his brief lover, who enlisted his help in keepsaking some confidential documents, which were detailing Richard Roper's exploits and crooked business deals with the notorious Freddie Hamid, who is the owner of the hotel that Jonathan works at. So ever the good British man, and um, because of his history as a British soldier, uh, Jonathan ends up sharing these documents with British intelligence, which results in him later being recruited as an undercover spy um, with the goal of unravelling Richard Roper's empire. So, I mean, I'm not giving too much away (laughs) of the story. This is actually all in the initial chapters. and it affects his character because the decision that he made to betray the confidence ends up haunting him throughout the rest of the story as he, it ends up coming at the expense of Sophie's life, Sophie being the woman who hands these documents over to him. And that continuously haunts him, that betrayal of Sophie it infiltrates his relationships with all of the women that he encounters, and these women are incessantly compared to her. And the memories continue to haunt him, and the fact that he chose law to his country over love, and it's affecting his conscience. And yeah, <laughs> he's continuously bringing it up. Is what I'm saying, and so he ends up taking on his this undercover identity, masquerading as a cook and and a criminal. And he ends up um, using that to form connection with Roper, Richard Roper. And from here, the story takes on a more pa- fast-paced tone. So like you were saying with the other book that you were mentioning, <laughs> it does start off initially quite slow and I felt like it took a lot to engage with the story initially but then it does quicken up the pace does quicken up and it becomes a lot more dramatic there are all these orchestrated events which um, force the change in relationships and and then you see more betrayal from uh, you were mentioning earlier the double agents and you get to see a lot of those influences I guess and now that you mention it you can see that appear in his writing um, and from there well I won't I won't get to the ending of the book obviously <laughs> we'd still like you to read it <laughs> but the themes that are explored are you know, it's mysterious, this, it's a thriller. We're looking at espionage, a betrayal. Betrayal is the main theme throughout the book, I would say. Betrayal of romantic interest, betrayal of um, the British intelligence, etc. It was quite fascinating, actually. Um, so The Night Manager was my second foray into the John Lakari novels. I'd only read the spy who came in from the cold earlier. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I think that's his most famous work or it his is. first famous one, was it? It
1: is. Um, although it was intriguing, like I said, and similar to what you mentioned, I did find the story quite slow to begin with. Slightly confusing as it kept transporting back and forth through time, like going back to his memories and then coming back to the present day. Um, but once the narrative developed, I found it quite engaging and it was we were taken on a thrilling adventure Mm -hmm. (laughs) through all these exotic locations and given a taste of the billionaire empire of Richard Roper, the criminal empire. (laughs) So I do recommend The Night Manager for people who are looking to delve into the world of espionage and John le Carre novels. And I mean, you don't need to technically be interested in that genre to enjoy it, I would say, and, yeah, so what I, what we did mention earlier was that there is a six-part mini series, and it was released in 2016 through BBC UK. You did mention the stars, Tom Hiddleston, Hugh Laurie. I didn't end up watching the series. I didn't want to skew my perspective too much as I was reading the book because I do understand that it is a modern retelling of the story and in the specific book that I've got here, that specific edition, at the end of it, there is a word from John le Currie himself, which was also published in The Guardian, which you could find online, google it um (laughs) which is his review of the tv series and his opinion on the changing characters and i think um chief leonard burr becomes a pregnant woman in the tv series and um he does where am i so he does seem to enjoy some aspects of the adaptation and he does understand that he doesn't have quite the same amount of creative control over the new series but he didn't really feel too comfortable with other changes he wasn't comfortable with the change of locations for example all these exotic locations were modernized to different locations and which were more relevant to a modern audience I guess and so that, that review of his can be found in this specific edition that we've got at the library. It's at the end of the book and also can be found online. But overall, it's, it was quite an enjoyable read or listen if you happen to go in that direction.
0: <laughs> and I think that'll be it for,
1: wow. for mine. <laughs> Do you know
0: the interesting thing? I, I don't know if it's that particular review that I read or another one. I was just reading it last night and they said... I th- it, Correct me if I'm wrong, Sandra, but because I haven't read the book. Um, Richard Roper, um, does his yacht feature a lot in the book?
1: It does, does. and I think that's something that John LeCoe was
0: kind
1: of (laughs) not happy with, the fact that they didn't include it in the TV
0: miniseries. Yeah, I remember reading somewhere that the reason why they couldn't do it is because the production costs would be astronomical, and that's why they had to, instead of like the yacht, the stand-in was like this luxury villa on like his own island or something like that Mm. and the reason for that was just actually quite prosaic and boring it was because Mm. of production requirements (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah and it's interesting you say that thing about betrayal because betrayal implies that you would have to have that trust and you know an expectation in terms of relationships and that's what um comes through in a lot of his um books as well like the versions that i've seen you know on television and the the one that i read where there is an expectation even between like a spy and a handler or a facilitator, like, you know, the academic in our kind of trader, Mm. there is an expectation of trust over there. And they do, even if they're on opposite sides, they do develop a bond. And then how that bond is compromised or affected by greater global issues, Mm. like, you know, two different countries and your loyalty to those countries and like being a spy and whatnot. Mm. Um, about, I think we were talking about this earlier. I deliberately held off reading about a lot about Lacare until after I read the book. And again, I haven't watched the television uh, or the movie version of um, Our Kind of Traitor. I think Ewan McGregor is um, in that particular adaptation. So I didn't want to spoil it as well, my impression. The same reason I didn't want to read much about him because I was curious about his political leanings because mm-hmm. I couldn't tell where he landed. And that was really good. I was glad I couldn't tell what sort of side on of politics he was um from and after i started reading up about him it was interesting to see you know he um he was very anti-iraq war he's opposed to brexit and whatnot so he's generally on that sort of side of politics but i'm glad mm. i mean i was surprised because i guess in my mind i made this simplistic deduction that oh you're in the intelligence services you know you write about espionage you're Um, You know, villains are often from the KGB, so you must be on one side, because Mm. that's the side that I would associate with ultra-nationalism or patriotism, but is actually a little bit on the other. Although he, I think, refers to himself as like a compassionate conservative, or he did, I think, at one point, which is also, I think, a lovely middle ground that he's mm. occupying there. But I guess he gets to see that interesting perspective, and you do see it in
1: where he talks about the, the betrayal of the, the double agents and yeah. the, um, the moles, I guess you would say, yeah. in British <laughs> intelligence. So he, I guess he was able to see all sides of yeah. the the... just within the British intelligence. So it's not like he could put his complete faith in what they do and Mm -hmm. complete trust in their role because he was able to see that betrayal just within their
0: ranks exactly and i think that's what would have brought the nuance into his writing and Mm. would have contributed again to maybe the more slower deliberate pace which although not expecting i can appreciate because it's just a different way of appreciating it than you know, I guess, watching an American film <laughs> <laughs> with spies and, like, their advanced technology and it's all very quick and, you know, flashy. like a... Yeah, flashy. Yeah, flashy. Exactly. Flashy, action-packed, possibly not substantial. So <laughs> this was like a good hearty meal, let's right. say. <laughs> Both of his books. So that was us, us with was um, <laughs> with our um, takes on John Licari books that we read. Um, if you'd like to download episodes of Para Pods, you can find us on Podbean, the app, uh, or you can download um, our episodes through Apple Podcasts or Google Play, I believe, as well. We will be back, I'm sure, uh, soon with another podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Goodbye. Bye.